You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. In those times where now, if I'm going to give something to the Lord from what he's given me, then I won't be able to provide for my family. I looked at all through the scriptures, all through the scriptures, basic foundational starting point of God developing faith in us. You know what it is? Your finances. It's all through the scriptures. Where does your money come from? Is it from your hard work? If you take a step back and look at it, where does your ability to do that work come from? And who provided the opportunity for that job? As Pastor Danny will remind us in today's message, everything you have, whether it's money, time, resources, energy, whatever it might be, it's all God's. He gives us those things freely. When he asks you to entrust those things back into his hands, will you cling to control or will you surrender and trust? Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter six, as he continues his message, Progressive Faith. If you put all the required giving together under the Old Testament law, it really came to 25 to 27% of your income. Required giving. But the Israelites didn't do what God said under the law. And this was law. And so the ministry God intended for people was lacking. And personally, the people weren't being blessed the way God wanted to bless them because they weren't obeying what God said. And so he sends Malachi the prophet. And Malachi says basically the same thing Jesus said here in Luke 6. Here's what he said. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse because they weren't. They weren't doing it. They were giving God the leftovers. They weren't giving him the, the required necessary thing under the law. And Malachi says, hey, we repent basically. Bring the whole thing in that there may be food in my house. Ministry would increase. And then he says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you, there's where it comes back to you, will not have enough room for it. I don't know who coined it. I don't know how long ago, but it's absolutely true. You cannot outgive God. It's impossible. Because he always gives back more. Shaking down, shaking together, running over. That's our God. If we could outgive God, it'd make him look bad. <laughs> Wouldn't it? I never thought about that. That's good. That was good, Lord. Thank you. I didn't, that, you're the only service that got that one. 
I mean, if we could outgive God, it'd make him look bad. And it would certainly violate exactly what he said in his word. Tremendous. But now, pause, pause there. We got more to read here. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Okay, after this multiplication of bread and fish and all these people are fed and the 12 basketfuls left over, immediately after this happened, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on the, ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. The Greek word translated, he made his disciples get into the boat, is a strong word, meaning they were reluctant. They didn't want to get in the boat, especially without him. Why do you think that would be? Well, you go back to Mark chapter 5, or chapter 4, verses 35 and following. They get into a boat with him. He's asleep in the stern in the midst of a storm. Remember that story? Uh, they're terrified. They wake him up. Don't you care that we drown? He gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves. It's completely calm. And they are now more terrified of that than they were the storm. And they say to one another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey? But now... Bad enough for him to be in the boat asleep in the storm, and you got to wake him up. Don't you care? Wind cease. Waves calm. No problem. But now he's saying, get in the boat. I'll meet you there. Go. And he's got to push him. That's the word suggesting he made his disciples get into the boat. And he goes up on a mountainside to pray. And what they feared most is exactly what happens. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake as he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. But please note, he sees them. They don't see him. What's required here? Faith. About the fourth watch of the night, the, the, the darkest part of the night. They've been out there all night. Sea of Galilee ain't that huge. This is a serious storm. They can't get to the other side. Fourth watch of the night, between 3 and 6 a.m., he went out to them walking on the lake. I love this. He was about to pass by them. I mean, he might, he, he, see you guys on the other side. He was just going to walk right by them and leave them straining. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them. This is also classic Jesus. Right in the midst of the storm. I mean, you're, you're ah! And, he, and what does he say? Take courage. It's me. Don't be afraid. What do you mean don't be afraid? Then he climbed into the boat with them. And the wind died down. And they were completely amazed. Why would they be amazed? One more verse. Key verse, verse 52, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. They had not understood about the loaves. I don't know how many times I've read that, and I've read it, and I've gone, what in the world does that mean? I think I got it now, not because of me. I just think after meditating and all the times teaching through it, and like, finally I got it. And it's really not complicated. They had not understood about the loaves. I've run out of time every service before I finished all my notes. That's normal. That's normal. But, but, but so let me just make the statement so in case no matter where I end up, you'll get it, at least the main thing. They had not understood about the loaves. 
Faith is meant to be progressive. We're to grow in faith. You should have more faith in two years after committing your life to Jesus Christ than you did when you first committed your life to Jesus Christ. You should be more mature and have greater faith and more depth in 10 years after making a commitment to Christ than when you first made your commitment. But a lot of Christians, and I've, I've been doing this a long time, a lot of Christians are just not growing the way that God wants them to grow. And you know what I've found? What I've found? There is a link between learning to trust God with your physical needs and financial needs. Please understand, we buy the bread, we buy the fish with the paycheck that God gives us. And in those times where now, if I'm going to give something to the Lord from what he's given me, then I won't be able to provide for my family. I looked at all through the scriptures, all through the scriptures, basic foundational starting point of God developing faith in us. You know what it is? Your finances. It's all through the scriptures. It's all through the scriptures. They didn't get it. If you can't trust God in honoring him with even the meager resources you have, if you're not willing to put that in his hands, how's he going to multiply it? And how are you going to learn to trust him? If you can't trust God by giving him of your finances to honor him, and that's all through the Bible, how in the world are you going to get to the place when the storm of life, and there's going to be more than one? And look at the message in the storms. First storm, he's in the boat, but he's asleep. Don't you care? Wind, waves, and he's trying to teach you. You can, you know, even when I seem to be asleep, I'm in the boat with you. But then he gets you in the boat. He has to push you. Get in the boat. Go. And he goes up on the mountainside to pray. And he sees you. He always sees you. He always sees me. There's never a time his eye is not on us. He doesn't go, he doesn't go well, I was busy over here. I'm sorry I forgot you for a month or two. That doesn't happen. But now he's... You can't see him, but he sees you. And he would have walked right by you. But you, ah, you cry out. And of course, he's gracious. And he said, don't be afraid. It's me. And now he gets in the boat with you. And now everything calms down again. And he's trying to build your faith. What's the next step? When the storm is raging and he says to you, Peter, get out of the boat. What? What? It's a progression of faith. You find it all through the scriptures. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. God was trying to teach him. Chapter 8, verse 2. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you'd keep his commands? He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna. Supernatural. Supernatural which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes didn't wear out, your feet didn't swell, and they had to stop and think, you know, you're right. We ended up okay. We made it. Know that in your your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. He wants to build faith in us, and as he builds faith in us, we also mature. That's exactly what James chapter 1 says. 
Count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith is going to develop perseverance. When perseverance finishes its work, you'll be mature. And here's the clear message in the text. I'm not making it up. It's just right there. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. A hard heart with a Christian is not always going back to the old lifestyle. A hard heart can be, well, I want to grow, but you're not growing. Why? Because you're not taking those steps to develop and let God develop your faith. And if you can't trust him consistently with your wealth and say, Lord, it's all from you. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give you a tenth of every paycheck you give me because the tenth in the Bible represents the whole paycheck. That's why the tenth started before the law. And you find the 10th referred to in Hebrews 7 after the law. And the 10th in Hebrews 7 is given to Christ. Genesis chapter 14, early on in Abraham's faith, in his walk with the Lord. God gives him a great victory. This confederation of kings and their armies has kidnapped his nephew Lot. He takes about 300 and some men. And with 300 and some men, he goes and God gives him a victory. I'd call that supernatural. They get the spoils from the victory. And on the way back, they meet this Melchizedek figure. It's Christ. Melchizedek is Christ. Without beginning of days or end of life. He brings out bread and wine. That's significant. It's Christ. And Abraham gives him a tenth. This is not required giving. This is not the law of Moses. Why a tenth? Because they understood. God taught them that the tenth represents the whole. And he gives him a tenth. Genesis 28, Jacob. Jacob, manipulator. The way he got his name was being a dirty, rotten, sneaky thief. Heel grabber, that's his name. He's grabbing his his brother's heel because he wants to come out first from the womb. But God had promised he didn't have to manipulate to get the blessing of God. God had prophesied about him, the older will serve the younger. But he and even his mother didn't accept that. And they manipulated and tried to steal the birthright from his brother. He didn't have to do any of that. But God in his grace reveals himself to him in his waywardness. And in Genesis 28, you read it as God reveals himself. And just as a young, brand new Christian, as we would understand it, he says to God, if you'll be my God and you'll take care of me, I'll give you a tenth of all I get. Same thing, same principle. And if I don't learn to trust God and honor God with those kind of resources, my faith doesn't develop and my faith doesn't develop. So when the real storms of life begin to hit, they had not understood about the lows. God can take care of you and me. And he wants our faith to grow. You go over to Mark chapter eight and here's the feeding of the 4,000. And, it, and it's like deja vu. Verse 4, his disciples said, but where in this remote place can we get enough, enough bread to feed all these people? And Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Well, now it's a different number, but it's still insignificant to the need. Seven. And he told the crowd to sit down. Here we go again. He had them sit down in groups. I mean, it's the same thing. It's just a different number of people. 4,000 now, not including women and children, but it's thousands of people again. And then afterwards... Verse 14, this is so humorous. This is so humorous. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them. 
Be careful, Jesus said, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. And they discussed this with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? Don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketful you picked up? You got one souvenir basket for each of you. They said, 12, you're right. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They said, well, seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? And I say on behalf of the Lord this morning, in a good way, in a loving way, do you still not understand? Don't you want your faith to grow? And don't you want, and I say this lovingly as a pastor, don't you want the church to be able to minister to more people? Some of us have never taken that step. I pray you take it beginning today that every increase you get financially, you honor the Lord with the tithe, 10%. And I'm talking maybe to people, and you go, if I did that, I wouldn't be able to fifth. I wouldn't be able to make ends meet. Yes, you will by faith. And I say based on the word of God, you can trust him. And I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to multiply the widow of Zarephath, the prophet came to her and says, here's the word of the Lord. Take what you have for you and your son. She's getting ready to make her last meal. She said, we're going to make our last meal that we may die. There's a famine going on. Economically, everything's tanked. And the word of the Lord through the prophet is, before you make something for you and your son, bring me something. And on the surface, it sounds selfish, but it's not selfish. It's a step of faith. And isn't it interesting, as I thought about it in the context of what I'm teaching this morning, She's to give through a minister, through a ministry. And when she does step out by faith and give to the ministry of the Lord and the minister of the Lord, then God multiplies miraculously the jug of oil that she has, the little bit she has left, and a little bit of flour. And for the rest of their lives, that's the implication is, God cares for their financial, physical needs. If you read that story in 1 Kings 17, you know, what it said, you know what happens? It says sometime later, after God miraculously multiplies the physical resources to take care of her and her son because she steps out in faith and offers what, on, what doesn't make sense to the Lord, you know what happens after that? It says sometime later, her son got sick and died. And now... You talk about progressive faith. She's got to have faith to face the biggest storm in her life. But the development of that faith to face that storm started years before when she stepped out by faith to trust God for her physical needs and her family's physical needs. And then she learned to trust God even when death knocked at her door, losing her only son. If you can't trust God in the small things, how are you going to trust him in the big ones? If you don't honor God with the little, here's what Jesus said. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever's dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. I hear people, I've heard it as a pastor for years. I've heard it. You don't understand, pastor, my situation. I would give, I would give if if I could. The Word of God says give even when you can. That's what the Word of God says. 
the widow of Zarephath, New Testament, the widow who gave her last mite, and Jesus used her as an example for his disciples. He said, look, she gave all she had, and she's given more than all the other rich people that came in and put in large amounts because she gave by faith, by faith, and you can trust the Lord. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who'll give you true riches? What's the true riches? Faith, faith. Learn to trust the Lord no matter what happens in life. You're at a point, you go, I lost my job. There's no way. And, I, and there's no way. And, and, and then you still trust the Lord anyway, and he comes through. The storm hits, and you're facing the worst time in your life, and you're like, how in the world are we going to get through this? Well, if you allow your faith to develop, the same God who gave you what you needed back here in the, the physical resources will also give what you need when you face the storms. And let me tell you, they're coming. They're coming. And it's interesting, isn't it? God actually orchestrates sometimes the storms. Why? Because he wants us to grow. There's no, you will not grow, I will not grow if everything, if you're coddled your whole life, if you're spoon-fed your whole life, how are you going to grow? And if that was you growing up, you commit your life to Jesus Christ, and once you're out of the house, that coddling is going to stop with the Lord. Let me tell you what, he's gonna, now he's going to say, now I'm going to show you about real life. Let me show you what it's all about. And he's going to do that, and he's going to put you in situations where you're going to have to have faith because he wants you to grow. Paul the apostle, just said, apostle said, just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness and your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Because he understood, he understood the principle. Proverbs chapter 3, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your increase. God gave me this verse a few years ago, and it just says it right plainly. The Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, and honey, and all the fields produced. They brought in a great amount, a tithe, a tithe of everything. Why? Because the tithe represents the whole. And I'm going to drive the point home. That's before the giving of the law. That's required in the law. And it's also referred to in the New Testament, especially Hebrews 7, where it refers to giving the tithe to Christ. And I don't apologize because it's, it's so biblical. The first and foremost place, the first and foremost place to do our giving, me included, and I always have, I'm thankful for this, is through the local church that I'm a part of. That's the entity God has established. The church universal, but the church universal is identified scripturally by where God has placed elders, leaders, pastoral staff, and accountability system in every way financially so that when we give to the Lord, we're giving to the Lord through his church, and then the church takes the resources Provides for full-time ministers, sends out missionaries, reaches out to the poor and the needy, helps the widow, etc., etc., etc. And the more of God's people that are giving to the Lord through the church, the more people we minister to in the name of the Lord. And, and the more Christians, the more Christians personally in the church are being blessed. Don't miss that one. Don't miss that one. 
You're going to be blessed. I'm going to be blessed. Because you can't outgive God. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he walks us through the book of Mark. This New Testament gospel book conveys a fast-paced progression of events that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if the writer intended to communicate that Jesus was continually forward-thinking toward the cross and his mission and purpose here on earth. In Mark 10.45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate summary of the book of Mark. Jesus came humbly as a servant to reach the lost. Are you feeling lost today? Or have you been found and are following Jesus fully now? No matter what your answer is, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know how you heard about the living word and how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next edition, right here on The Living Word.